Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hello, everybody. This is Eden, and I'm here with Kim, of course, for Talk Purpose and Truth Podcast. Hi, Kim. Hi. How are you today? I'm excited. I'm good. Yeah. You have um, cute little things in your hair today. Oh, (laughs) And, and a cool necklace, see? Uh-huh. Got that on Melrose in Hollywood. Oh, okay. On your trip that you just went to, huh? Yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I got anything there that I'm wearing, but that was Lake Tahoe. Yeah, that was Oh, nice. that trip. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this. I'm going to introduce our guest. He is Mr. Steve Bacon, and I know the way he introduces himself, maybe he can share with us when he comes on because he does this really cute thing. Um, so I met him a few weeks ago. I was at uh, a, an event where he spoke, and he just blew my mind. <laughs> and immediately I had to ask him to come on the show, and I just can't wait for him to share his story. So he is a uh, he's a co-founder. No, he's the founder and CEO at Belief Theory, and he's an executive and mental performance coach. And he's named he was named one of the Yahoo top ten life coaches. So this is really exciting for us to have him on. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And how did you? Where did you see him? I saw him. You want me to talk about Sarah? I forgot. Yeah. (laughs) Our our special previous guest, Dr. Sarah Bivens, her Mm -hmm. episode is blowing up even more ever since the Bobby Brown docuseries came out. That's actually true. Yes. So she's been, um, uh, she's a friend, but she was, we met her a while back. She was on the show and her episode's amazing. So go back and listen to it. And yes, she was the one that invited me to listen to him talk. And uh, now we're excited to have him on with us. Okay, so I'm let's excited get into to be it. here. Yeah, good. Um, so we're going to start off with I want to ask you to tell us your story. How did you uh, get to where you, what you're doing today? Got it. Well, let me introduce myself. Okay. What up, family? It's your coach, Steve. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, I've been doing that for almost 10 years and it is how people meet me. Like even just at the grocery store, they'll see me and they'll, they'll yell that. And it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, and I picked it up from wrestling <laughs> oh, yeah. not, 10 yeah. years ago. Right. I was, I was like, Oh man, they, these guys have catchphrases. And I just got on Facebook live one day and did it and it stuck. And now I do it everywhere. So yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because the, the, the actual version can take an entire hour. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, today, uh, I run a multiple six-figure coaching business. I coach black leaders, athletes, and athletes from around the world. 
Um, helping them do in hours what takes them what would take them years in therapy to do. Um, it's in a very aggressive style, um, but it works. And how I got here, um, I'll start from the beginning. In 1984, my mom got addicted to crack six months after I was born. I went to 14 different schools growing up. I was molested as a kid. Um, I lived in crack houses. I thought crack houses was normal because that was my everyday life. And uh, at eight years old, I met my father for the first time. And that was a very contentious and abusive relationship. But it caused issues with me at eight because I believed my mother gave me up. So if we ever get into uh, healing later on in the conversation, I want you to remember this part of the story. So at eight years old, my father shows up. I have no idea who this Chico DeBarge looking dude is. And he's like, you coming to live with me? And I'm like, I don't know you. I'm not coming to live with you. And he's like, yes, you are. And I'm looking at my grandma like, you really finna let me walk out the house with this dude? And I'm looking at I'm looking around like, where's my mama? And why didn't she tell me that you were coming? So you got to think, how does an eight year old process that? Right. Yeah. And so my father and I had a very abusive relationship uh, for the next seven years until I threatened to end his life. And I found myself back and living with my grandmother at 17 graduated, went to the military. Um, I figured if I got away from everybody, then everything would be okay. Well, unfortunately, wherever you go, there you are. And all my trauma followed me. And I got married to the first girl who says she loved me at 17. Mm. And then I physically, mentally, and emotionally abused her until she got the courage to leave. Not proud of it. It's just part of the story. And um, when she finally got the courage to leave, I did what any sane, rational human being would do. I put a loaded gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger. And the only thing that saved me was God, because I have no idea why that gun didn't go off. I come up with reasons, but to be honest, I have no idea. I realized in that moment, though, it was instant regret. I didn't want to die. I just didn't know how to live. Yeah. So I prayed for things to get better. And unfortunately, things got worse. Uh, they put me in anger management after that. And the funny part about me being in anger, anger management was I was going to the meetings going, well, y'all the ones that are bitches. I got justified reasons why I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and then I just started drinking, drinking to get drunk because I still had all this pain and I didn't know what to do with it. I had no contact with really with my mother or my father. Um, and so I was 3,000 miles away from anybody I knew and going through all this by myself, unfortunately, got in trouble with the cops, became a felon at 19. And that ruined, you know, what career I had left and um, didn't marry the second girl who says she loved me at 19 <laughs> wow. right? or 20 years old, one of them. But my point is, is that here I am 20 years old and I've been to 14 schools. I grew up in crack houses, my, abused by my father, molested uh, as a kid, um, you know, tried to commit suicide, married twice, uh, anger management issues, a drunk, all before my 20th birthday. Yeah. And I met this guy named Hank, who introduced me to personal development. And he said one thing to me, he said 18 years ago, he said, if you just change what you see about yourself or how you see yourself, everything would change. Yeah. 
I had no idea what he meant, but I knew two things. One, I wasn't going to try to kill myself again. And two, I wasn't trying to spend the rest of my life working at Burger King or as a construction worker because I'm way too fucking dainty for that. I'm too pretty for that. So he was like, if you become an entrepreneur, you can write your own ticket. But in order to become to build a bigger business, you have to become more as a person. And that started this 18 year fascination with personal development. And it's been about 300 grand invested since and mm. thousands of hours of study. Mm. And wow. You, you came up with something brilliant in all of that. Kim, ask him. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, she was telling me that your end all be all is the belief theory and that it's this profound way of healing people. So can you give us any little hints as to what that is? Yeah. So people are full of shit. And let me tell you why. A child, when a child is born, think about your children. That first few years, they don't even know they're alive. They're just in pure bliss. They're in Eden, right? Which is not a place. It's a state of being, Mm -hmm. right? And then one day, conscious awareness kicks in. And that's like waking up out of a coma with amnesia. It's kind of just like, what the fuck? Who am I? Where am I? Why am I? And that becomes the innate question. Even if they can't verbalize it, that's still the innate question. Oh, I'm not sure what happened. There we go. That's still the innate question. And so they start looking to their environment for those answers. It's like when my wife had to write a thesis for a master's degree, she had to pick a problem, pose the question, do a bunch of research, come up with a conclusion. And then her conclusion was all the research inside the sources, right? Uh-huh. Well, children do the same thing. Once they, once they kick into self-awareness and they, the, the thesis question becomes, who am I? They're looking at their relationships and how they're being treated and making each one of those relationships mean something about themselves because that's why relationships are sacred because every relationship is a mirror, right? Yes. But what do we know about children? They're young, emotional, uh, self-centered right? They're very black and white. You either love me or you don't love me. You buy me these Jordans because you love me. You don't buy me these Jordans because you hate me. You want me to be a miserable mother like you, right? Like children are very black and white. They take everything personal and everything is about them. Yeah. So during those formative years, they're writing a thesis on themselves based on their relationships, but they're doing it with very little life experience and no emotional intelligence. Right. Right. And they, and so imagine being in a courtroom. This is belief theory. Imagine being in a courtroom. The judge is eight years old. The jury is eight years old. The prosecutor is eight years old. And the eyewitness is eight years old. And there's no defense attorney. That's a runaway trial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so belief theory is I take people back to the thesis that they wrote on themselves. Mm-hmm. I take your, your thesis to court. We call it the belief theory court of appeals. You've already convicted yourself, judge, jury, and executioner as to why you're not good enough, why you're not worthy, why you're not deserving, why your mama didn't love you, why your daddy didn't love you. And I'm like, okay, cool. Bring your evidence because I'm about to rip that shit to shreds. Because a child wrote that, which is why you still look at your parents through a child's eyes, even though you're fucking 58. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm so belief theory is getting back to the root cause of why they see themselves and how they see themselves in the first place, their self-concept. 
and a child wrote it. Okay, so that's the inner child regression. That's what I do kind of with my clients. You regress back to the inner child to heal. Is that kind of similar? Well, I didn't go to college, so I don't know what regression means, but if it's taken back to the inner child. I, then hey, yes. I didn't, I did not go either. Well, I went, I went, but I didn't really yeah. go. I, I just, I, I, yes, I, I just take them back to, yeah, when they, what caused, because 85% of what we believe about ourselves, we decided by the time we're 14. So most people we meet are fucking 14 year olds walking around yeah. with longer arms and longer legs and kids of their yeah. own. They're still fucking children. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get mad at them for acting the way they're acting. <laughs> right. But they're children. Right? Yeah. They, they stopped growing at 14 and they've been doing this, basically running this circle. So what Eden seen was the circle that I, I had uh, created and found, yeah. Yeah. right, modified, which is what you believe determines what you think, what you think determines how you feel, how you feel determines what you do and how you what you do determines what results you get. But those results reaffirms whatever you believe. So if I take you back to the story about when I was eight, how does an eight year old process his mother dropping him off one day and some strange juice picking up the next day is she abandoned me. She doesn't want me anymore. Right. Anytime you feel that kind of trauma, your brain takes a snapshot of whatever caused that trauma and then develops a strategy to never feel that ever again. So my strategy was never trust a woman who says she loves you, Mm -hmm. which is why in my relationships, everything will be fine when we were dating. But the minute she said, I'd love you, I would turn into something completely different. Mm-hmm. and didn't know why yeah so so in your circumstances which were extreme you know extreme challenges growing up a lot of people that have had those types of challenges a lot of people would say well there's no hope for them that's it like their life is over they're going to always suffer so what was it about that that shifted you into going, you know what, I'm only going to go up from here. I'm going to like fix myself, heal myself, work on myself. What, what was that point? It was the refusal to end up like all the other felons in my family. It was refusal. for I, I refused. That's all it was. It was just a strong desire not to live on food stamps or welfare or, you know, living check the check or, um, having to work construction or working in fast food. Like that first 90 days after I got out of the military, I think I got fired from like four jobs. Like it just working just wasn't for me. <laughs> it just wasn't right. I was just like, I'm better than this. And Hank, God, God bless him. Um, you know, for a year, he helped metaphorically held onto my hand and didn't let go no matter how disrespectful I was. And he just stuffed personal development down my throat. Uh, Right. And so when I would go to these conferences and I would see these people with rags to riches stories and they're like, yeah, I was living in my car, grew up in foster care, blah, 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 blah. Now I make $90 million a year. And I'm just like, bro, how, how? And they're just like, it's all about who you become. Be, do, have. And I'm like, I need to know this be, do, have guy. Who is he? I need need to know who he is. I need to get some of that. Right. So do you feel that if someone didn't have like a mentor or someone really there for them, is it more difficult or it's just a matter of someone's desire? Like, cause I know I personally can even think of people, you know, relatives or whatever that 
just are always a victim and they, they just are like, um, you know what? My mom died and this happened. So my life's going to always be shit. Yeah. It's a matter of desire. That's all. Yeah. But you also have to be comfortable to leave people where they're at as the great, the great book says, right? Jesus, let those with ears here leave the rest of them motherfuckers where they at. <laughs> let them be on their path. You yeah. gotta let you gotta let them be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's your next question. You have a quote: "Healed people heal people." Please expand on that. That's just that's profound. Well, I mean, heal people. I don't know where I got it from, but heal people heal people is just, just the say that of- you you made it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Until someone comes and claims it, copyright, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just the opposite of hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right? It's, I, what I try to get people to understand is stop thinking about what's true for you and start figuring out what's true for all human beings. Because when you figure out what's true for all human beings, you stop taking shit so personal, right? Mm-hmm. For instance, there's a universal truth that applies to all of us, which is, we judge other people based on their actions, and then we judge ourselves based on our intentions for the exact same shit, yeah. right? Somebody yeah. lies to you, and you're just like, oh, my God, I hate you so much. You're a liar. You're a bad person. You can never be trusted, blah, 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 blah. We lie, and we'd be like, well, I just didn't want them in my business, mm-hmm. right? So we completely let ourselves off the hook. That goes to universal law number two. All human behavior is motivated by a positive intent. It just doesn't mean it's a positive intent for the other people involved. Right. That's a hard pill for people to swallow. Yeah. But when you think about it, when you lied, you had a positive intent, which is to protect yourself. Right. Uh If, If I rob someone, there's a positive intent there for me, not for them. Yeah. Right. Even. This may be hard, but I give extreme examples because I want people just to understand. Even Ted Bundy had a positive intent for himself. Right. Right? It was either he saw a certain look and it was you have to die or I can't sleep. Uh Right. That that was I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying that that's human behavior. Right. So when you start to understand human behavior and you stop taking things personal, guess what? You can then create that inner peace inquire your mind and you're able to be there for someone else the same way that hurt people hurt people Mm -hmm. right parents pass down their trauma and call it protection Uh (laughs) whoa you gotta think about that one for a minute yeah yeah parents pass down their trauma and call it protection don't don't be out here just trusting anybody why would you put that in that baby because you had some bad experiences. You, that's what you're going to put in that baby. And now they don't trust nobody. Uh-huh. And now you've just conflicted their values and beliefs and thought that you were protecting them because they may have a value of loyalty and friendship. And now they're saying, I value loyalty and friendship, but my mama told me not to trust nobody. Now that's a need that will never get met. And you thought you were helping. Wow. <laughs> see yeah. it's mind-blowing huh <laughs> yeah yeah no i i had someone come to mind but i will not 
say. Who? Oh, so did I. So did I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. More than one person. Yeah. But who are we? Who are we to say anyway? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure I've been guilty of it too. We're all imperfect. So, yeah. 100%. <laughs> So you also do work with addiction and you're yes. saying that and that's amazing. And I, I feel like I was just saying in my group the other day that, you know, I, I never had a problem with, with alcohol before in my life. And then when I started having extreme hormonal issues, I was self-medicating with alcohol because I was so desperate to find something and I had to get help because it started becoming where I was drinking so much. I was like passing out and sleeping all day. And so what it did though, now I'm sober and good and got solutions and all of that. And I'm actually happier not drinking ever, but it made me understand a whole new level of communities that I never understood before. So it helped me relate even more to every type of struggle. So um, I have great respect and admiration that you're doing that work because especially in our teens, um, they need that right now more than ever yeah the thing is i hate the word addiction because it's not i don't give a fuck what nobody say it's not i can prove it first time i ever spoke at an addiction facility rehab for men i asked the question i said how many of y'all just decided one day that you were done and then you just stopped 90 percent, 80 percent of the room hands went up i said interesting then we had a young lady who told me that she smoked meth until the day she found out she was pregnant and she stopped. And I said, when did you pick it back up? She says about six weeks after the baby was born. I was like, interesting. Yeah. And then some of these motherfuckers think they slick and decide that they're going to get clean and sober long enough so that their tolerance goes down because getting high was costing too much money. <laughs> I've heard that. So they would get yeah. clean and sober for six months so that their tolerance goes down. So I said, I want y'all to pay attention to something because these people keep saying you have an addiction, but you really don't. Now I get it. All human behavior is motivated by a positive intent. You are doing your best to self-medicate. There's something that you're running from and this is the best way that you figured out so far. But to steal your power and say that you're an addict and you can't control it is fucking bullshit. Because all of you have reasons and ways that you can stop on a dime. Yeah. So if you can stop on a dime, is it really a fucking addiction? Uh-huh. No. So I said, in my class, you are not allowed to say that AA bullshit. Hi, my name is such and such, and I'm an addict. I said, here's the definition you get to use. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I am God with a small G, and I'm too much of a bitch to handle my shit, so I drink or smoke instead. Okay. Mm. That's more of an accurate description. You never wanted to fucking drink in the first place. It was just the best idea you had at the time. Yeah. Protection. Protection again. Totally. Yeah. And I never say I am an addict. I always say, oh, I haven't drank in 16 months. Because it's about self-concept. If I say I am an addict, right? I am an addict. Then what is there to fix? What do addicts do? Drink, smoke, whatever it is that they're quote unquote addicted to. So then there's nothing to fix because this is your self-concept. I am an addict. These fucking people have no idea how much damage they're causing Mm -hmm. by making people say that shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they're owning it. 
because they don't know anything about how the mind works. Yeah. It just yeah. sounds cute. Yeah. Don't get me started on these people. <laughs> yeah. We need one of you in every household. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I asked my mom one day, I said, Ma, how come you never stayed in the rehab programs that my uncles and them would put you into? And this is the biggest lesson I ever learned. That's why I say you got to leave people be. She said, because y'all wanted me to get sober. I was fine. Mm. See, when we want to help somebody more than they want the help, then it becomes about our ego. Yeah. Look at who I helped. Look at what uh -huh. I did. Yeah. Uh -huh. That becomes about your ego at that point, that you can't leave them be. When they say, I'm fine, leave me alone. No, I can't leave you alone. That's about your fucking ego. Yeah. Yeah, because then, and this is what I get when I, I, have the, I get the clients who come to me after someone has passed away, and those people have survivor's guilt. And they constantly come and say that I didn't do enough of this or that. And maybe if I did this, they wouldn't have passed away. So that's still this, the inflated sense of self thinking that they can control the, the end result of somebody's life. But Absolutely. It's ego. And the best definition I ever heard of ego was look at me. <laughs> that's the best definition I've ever heard. The simplest definition. So, yes. That's all ego. Yeah. You got to you got to respect another soul's decision, whatever it is, even if it makes you squeamish. Right. If that's their decision, that's their decision. That's not up to you. They're going through whatever they need to go through. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, there's some codependence involved there if they can't let it go. 100%. I'm, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah. No, don't own that. So you're you're I, getting better. I am. Yes. There you go. So stop yeah. saying, stop okay. saying I'm guilty of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we have a couple <laughs> questions from listeners for you. So the first one is Fran and she says, I've been becoming very overwhelmed by what's going on in the world today. People keep telling me I'm acting like a victim and it's affecting me negatively. How do I handle this? Oh, I got something for you, Fran. Now this might trigger the fuck out of you, but I don't care, but you need to listen. <laughs> I'm a, I, I parent adults. If you want, if I'm, I'm, I'm more of a parent to adults than I am a coach. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, it works. Whatever works. Yeah. There's three types of business, Fran. And you can look up Byron Katie. Cause this is, this came from her. Mm. There's your business, other people's business and God's business. When you mine any other business, but your own, you will suffer. Mm. The world is not fucked up. The world is as exactly the way it should be yeah. based on the collective consciousness of the 7 billion people who inhabit it. Yes. Uh -huh. The United States is exactly the way it should be based on the collective consciousness of the 380 million people who live here. If we didn't want these old motherfuckers running shit and taking us back to 1956, then we would vote them out. But because we don't want to vote them out, because we don't want to take the time to campaign and do that, then these motherfuckers stay in office, local, presidential, at the state level, whatever. So the, the world is as it should be. So don't try to change the mirror, change your face. <laughs> yes. Change the way you see yourself because the world is only reflecting how you see yourself yeah the problems you see i don't see yeah amen 
but everything is as it should be. You have to stay in the, the realm of reality versus should. Right. Right. And matter of fact, change the word should to prefer. Cause that's really a better, that's, that's a better example. I prefer things to be this way. Not things should be that way because to say that things should be that way is to negate the reality that's happening right in front of you. Yeah. Uh And then you're sitting, you're sorry. Then you're in the the expectation too. And yeah, but when you're sitting there going, things should be different. This is what you're doing. You're spinning. Things should be different. Mm -hmm. Things should be different. Things should be different. You're spinning in circles. You're not going anywhere because the should lives in your fucking head. Yeah. It's fantasy. But when you deal with reality and just accept things the way they are, not to say you have to agree or you have to condone, you just accept things the way they are. You can make a plan to deal with that, but you can't make a plan to deal with should. So the only person causing your memory is or your misery is you. Yeah. Right. And I think some people obsess over things like that because they don't want to think about their own life, what's going on in their own life. Mic drop. And uh, I'm going to, hopefully this is a, a mic drop too. And they resist, <laughs> that's them resisting change. No. Yes. Yeah. Mic drop. Absolutely. Give These are all too. mic drops. <laughs> okay. There are no victims. There are no victims. And I hate this fucking society today because of the way they, they fatted or they made being a victim popular. Yeah. Yeah. Now people run around wearing victim like a badge of honor. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you're so brave. You're a victim. You're so brave. You're stealing these people's power. Mm -hmm. The word victim literally in the dictionary is like the opposite of a, a crime or the opposite of a harmful event. It's your role in that particular event. It's not a fucking identity that you carry for the rest of your life into other generations too they keep repeating yeah 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 or wanting to go or wanting to resist change so much that things actually actually go backwards but i won't go into that right now yeah let's let's not go there (laughs) well we all we all have it on the tip of our tongue but we're gonna move on okay all right the other the other question that we liked from audience members was from sean and he said, my girlfriend says, I try to control everything in my life and it's becoming an issue. How can I let go of control in situations when I'm not used to doing that? Interesting. So it's all about trying to be safe. It's all safety. Mm-hmm. Trying to control everything is it's all about safety. It's everybody has to do what I need them to do in order for me to feel safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. Whether it's safe physically, whether it's safe emotionally, and most of the time it's safe emotionally. That goes back to the wounded child. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Right. It's some things happen in my environment that caused me to feel a certain way that I didn't have control over. So, strategy. Remember, my strategy was never trust a woman who says she loves you. Mm -hmm. Well, I bet you as a kid, and I don't know this dude, but just from experience, I bet you as a kid. Some shit happened that was traumatic emotionally to him. And the strategy his mind came up with was control everything. Uh-huh. And you'll never feel that again. A question that I typically ask my clients in our very first session, or when someone's inquiring whether they want to work with me or not, is what emotion do you avoid at all costs? 
Not the one that you just don't like, but the one that will shut you the fuck down if you ever felt it. Mm -hmm. And that is the one that you avoid to the point where you won't even put yourself in a position to feel it. Yes. When they pinpoint that and I ask them, when is the first time you ever felt that? It usually dates back to the reason why they want to be so in control. So well, I don't remember what his name was. This is the question I want to ask you is what emotion do you avoid at all costs? Not the one you just don't like, but the one that will shut you the fuck down. So you literally develop everything around you to protect you from ever feeling that because that is the reason why you're trying to control your environment. Yep. Wow. That really makes, makes me think, Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm, we're going to move on because I, I could expand on that too, but I have another question. Um, I'm remembering when we, when I saw you, you said you talked about the, uh, the theory of the horse when someone's on the horse and you try to control the horse. Yeah. Can you share that with us? Yeah. It's uh, when I was talking about was the six basic levels of change, right? The six levels of change. And the personal development industry pretty much only teaches the first four, and maybe they'll touch on the, the last two. But the, the, the first four levels of change is, I'm not going to go into them, but environmental, physiological, emotional, and behavioral. Those are all temporary levels of change. Typically, when you go to YouTube and you look up how to change, you'll see that trigger response reward, like change your behavior, trigger response reward, right? The challenge with that is, is your subconscious mind is the one that's control of the habits, right? Your conscious mind is the goal setter, but your unconscious mind is the goal getter. It's in charge of all the habits. So this is the way I give the example. Like when people go to January 1st, they go to gym. Oh, I'm going to lose weight. And then by March 15th, you don't know where they are, right? They're back to doing what they were doing. Mm -hmm. So this is the example that I gave that Eden is talking about. My wife and I went to Mexico a couple years ago and we went horseback riding and these people didn't give us a single fucking instruction on what to do with these horses and i'm like yo we're about to all end up like christopher reeve they ain't giving us no instruction <laughs> of how to ride these horses i mean i watch westworld and i watched the harder they fall and i seen the black cowboys but i ain't never learned how to ride no horse and they was just like get on and i'm like yep we all about to die <laughs> and the lady in front of me felt the same way. And she starts freaking out and she's yelling and freaking out. And she's pulling the reins of the horse and yanking it all kind of different ways. And now the horse is going off the trail. And all of a sudden you hear from the back, let go of the reins, let go of the reins. And she's yelling back, hell no, I ain't letting go of the reins. Uh-uh, this horse ain't finna buck me off. And he's like, let go of the reins. And I be damned. As soon as she let go of the reins, that goddamn horse went right back to the trail that we were all on. And I yeah. said, oh, shit. That's the reason why they didn't give us any instructions on how to ride this damn horse. Mm -hmm. It's already trained to be on a certain trail. Now, I want you to imagine your conscious mind is the lady on top of the horse freaking the fuck out. As long as she has the reins, she can take that horse wherever she wants. So on January 1st, when people want to change their behavior, 
they get real motivated and concentrated and all of their conscious attention is on what they're doing. That works until it doesn't the baby, the job, the husband, right? Until life starts getting in the way and that conscious attention gets diverted. Now the subconscious mind goes right back. The horse goes right back to doing what it's been doing. And that's how people find themselves right back in the same spot. Right? So it's important that we make the, the change at the unconscious level, which is the belief system and your self image. The challenge is, is that personal development, the, that per, the personal development industry, these seminars, they won't go that deep because now you have to challenge people's belief system, which is a strong emotion attached to their, to their ideas. And if you start attacking people's ideas without educating them first, you're going to get all of the emotion. Yeah. And they don't want to deal with that in front of the large audience, nor do some of them even have the patience or even fucking care that much. Mm-hmm. Right. So the personal development industry is full of seminars and people who teach the first four levels of change, which is temporary because it gets a fast result. So you feel like you got your money's worth. But then it wears off and you feel like you got to go back. So they have a repeat customer for mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Wow. I'm snitching on everybody. I don't give a fuck. I'm snitching on the medical system. I'm snitching on personal development. I'm snitching on everybody. The education system, I'm snitching. Yeah. People are listening, though. And I think the people listening are going to listen like three times and go, oh, man, it's sinking in. I got to face reality now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Right? So I'm sure when I re-listen, I'll catch some things that I need to <laughs> shift. Yeah, we all, yeah. you know, Jim Rohn used to say, listen to me carefully, but don't watch me too closely. So, <laughs> you I know, love me some Jim Rohn. Right. Oh yeah. Jim Rohn is how I got started. I first saw Jim Rohn when I was 18. Wow. And a bunch of times got to meet him, ended up serendipitously years later, working with his 18 year partner, Kyle Wilson and partnered with him on a bunch of things. And ended up like working and sharing the stage with um, Brian Tracy, wow. Dennis, uh, Dennis Waitley, Darren Hardy, like all those guys. But it was like a dream because I had always followed Jim. That's amazing. That's, I yeah. love that. My 11 my year old still goes to sleep to Jim Rome. Really? Okay. Oh. I love that. For the, like the last nine years, he listens to Jim Rome every night before okay. he just loves Jim Rome's voice. That's amazing because who introduced me all along to Jim Rohn and all of that is my dad's um, realtor guy that um, he works with and he owns a whole real estate company and his kids grew up doing that as well. Yeah. And and you can see it play out. My child, I remember one time I got mad and he came up to me and he said, Dada, you need to discipline your disappointments. I was like, bitch, you right. You right. (laughs) Right? I was not about to cuss out my child, but I was like, damn. (laughs) Right, like, <laughs> fucking <That's> Jim Rome. <laughs> He's listening right now. <laughs> I love it. So, well, anyway, um, we are we are just loving having you on our show, and um, I feel like it it's been one of the most profound episodes we've ever had. Like, it's yeah. just, I mean, I think that we're gonna get a lot of great feedback on this, and thank you, Steve, because you're such a huge difference maker. 
And um, please tell everybody how they find you, follow you, anything you have coming up. Yeah, any yeah. projects. Tell us about the projects, how how we can, uh, people can follow what you're doing. And you have some books. You have a, one book and an, another one you're working on, right? Yeah, so okay. uh, people can find me at, uh, we're revamping the website right now, but they can still go to belieftheory.com. They can find both my social media handles there. Um at beliefthere.com. So on Facebook is Coach Steve Bacon and on Instagram is belief.theory. Um, so we're working to get all of that integrated um, and get a new website. My first book, um, I'm actually going to the studio to record it finally into an audio book. Um, but we're actually working on my second book right now, which is to address and end. So my commitment is to end generational trauma in the Black community. Every single ounce of breath I breathe, every fiber of my being, every thought of the day, every step I take is to end the generational trauma in the Black community. And I'm going to do it in one generation. Mark my words. The second book that I'm writing right now is the answer to something called the Willie Lynch letter. And Willie Lynch was the slave trainer that taught slave owners how to break the mind without breaking the body. And what most people don't understand is the, the, that those effects are still happening today, which is why we've been free for so long, but haven't made much progress, mm. right? Fi emotionally, we haven't made a lot of progress, yeah. right? And it's because I'm sorry, but things aren't the way they seem. And I understand the cognitive dissonance that happens in my vanilla brothers and sisters' minds. I understand it because when you grow up in a society or in an environment where you're told that you could be, do, and have whatever you please without permission or forgiveness, and everyone else has the same right, when that's what you've been conditioned with for 20 or 30 years, and then you meet someone who's telling you they have a different experience, that creates cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So I get it, right? Uh -huh. But there's still things happening in my community that I know can be fixed. And everybody, unfortunately, everyone that's putting out books right now in my community, everybody got a PhD on the problem. But it's because we don't understand the belief system. Let me just share this last thing. Okay. And then I'll let y'all go. <laughs> this is the way I explain it. Imagine being born with one car. And you had to keep that car your whole life. You can never trade it in. You can never sell it. It's the only thing you can drive. But you were never given the owner's manual and you were told not to trust mechanics. What would you do? When things starts to go wrong with that car, what would you do? You don't know where to look for the problem. And even if you did, you don't know where to fix it. You don't know how to fix it. And you don't trust anybody else to look at it. Mm -hmm. So you start patching it and piecing it together the best you can just to keep it moving. But that car will never perform at the level that it's capable that the manufacturer produced it to perform at because uh -huh. you don't know what to do when things start to go wrong. Yeah. Well, that is my people. 400 years ago, we have one mind, but we were never given the owner's manual and we were told not to trust anybody. Uh -huh. So for 400 years, We've just been patching our minds together, trying to figure out how to just survive and keep moving. 
but we never perform at the level we can perform because we have no idea how to work the, the thing in between our ears. We have no idea how powerful that thing is. Uh-huh. And it's because no one ever has been able to take complicated shit and make it simple enough so that a meth head or a child can understand it. That happens to be the gift God gave me to make complicated shit very simple. So I am currently writing the owner's manual so that I can teach my people how to recondition themselves and take control of their minds and produce at the level that the manufacturer created them to produce. Wow. That's <laughs> profound. I love it. Like on purpose. And then I'm going to parent America. I'm going to do for America what Nelson did for South Africa, because what people don't realize is that both sides got played. White people and black people got played by dead men. Everybody got played. I'm sorry. And I'm snitching. That's the reason why we can't come together. Because there was genius. Genius the way they created cognitive dissonance between the two. It was Uh, genius. Yeah. They, They sheltered both. One had one experience. One had the other experience. And neither one of them understand the belief system. Do you know I have clients with PhDs that still cannot tell me about the human belief system? And I say, isn't it interesting that you bought the bullshit at the highest level, but you still don't know what drives human behavior? You still don't know how to change your self-image, the two things that actually matter when it comes to creation, but you have a PhD in psychology? Isn't it interesting? No. I mean, it's interesting. Someone like you, where you came from, look what you're doing. For the world. Yeah, I run circles around them and make 10 times more money yeah. than they do. Why? Because I got to understand the things that actually cre- are responsible for human creation. But they don't teach that in school. No. Why? Mm-hmm. On purpose. So here we are trying to figure out how to solve the, the country's problems, but we don't understand the one thing that causes the problems, which is the human belief system. So we out here fighting wars with open hands. Yeah. So nobody even knows how they're getting triggered. Both sides are getting triggered and neither one of them know. Everybody getting played. (laughs) So I'm going to tell both sides, shut, sit down, shut the fuck up and learn about the human belief system. Yeah. Because you realize you both got fucking played. Yeah. By people who ain't even alive no more. So you're all just perpetuating the shit and don't even know where it started because the ones that started it are fucking dead. Well, when your book is out, we will be happy to <laughs> put it out there. And More we get than to that, say, yeah. And we get to say we knew him then. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. To separate, yeah. To separate on color no. is the lowest level of consciousness you can actually exist at. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yep. We don't look at each other like we're just humans. But... I do. <laughs> even though I don't believe, even though I don't believe in the idea of separation, I understand the idea of separation exists. So you have to meet people where they are and cha- and, and go to work on those issues, yeah. not where you think people should be. Right. And that's yes. where most people, that's where most people go wrong, even though they have good hearts and they want right. to help everybody, they start yelling at people from where they think people should be. Right. Okay, you at the top of the mountain. Great. Take your punk ass back down to the bottom of the mountain and meet people where they are and build a ladder for them to get back up. Don't just sit there and yell at them and say, you need to be thinking this way. Go right. back down the mountain and show them how to start thinking that way. Yeah. But address right. where they are first. Validate their experience and say, and yes, this happened to you. 
and not yes this happened to you but mm. yes this happened to you and you can have the emotion or you can have progress but you can't have both which one do you want mm. totally meet people where they're at not where you're at that's a good re- reminder another mic drop right <laughs> from, from- okay i'm done <laughs> all right see okay. we love you and i love you guys too hopefully one day we can share a stage with you or have you at one of our events or see you or whatever um we'll we'll, we'll find out more about your event with judy on your website i'm sure and um thank you so much for being here and everybody go find him and follow him and see what he's up to get his books yeah start, and, um, start uh listening to him now we everybody yes go follow him follow every word <laughs> yeah thank you so much steve and god bless you for all you're doing yeah thank you so thank much you. and i don't want to be rude i want to say hello to my two vanilla brothers that just joined us i love you too <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're on we're, we're, we'll tell the audience we had some um our next guests for our next episode we're going to be recording came on a little early so we're we're able to see them so they're just sitting yeah there. i'm glad it was divine it must have been divine timing right yeah. i know yeah. so all right have a good one thanks steve y'all Thank take you, care steve. Steve. stay black keep hope alive okay <laughs> <laughs> thanks all okay Hi, I'm here with the director of Volunteer Network OC, Maria Galasso. Yes, we brought her back because we love them and we're getting more and more involved with the awesome work they do and we'll be at their upcoming event. So Maria, happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. Thanks so much for your support. Um, I just want to let everyone know that Volunteer Network OC brings volunteers together with nonprofit organizations in Orange County helping individuals and families in extreme poverty or experiencing homelessness. We have a free app available at Google Play or the App Store, and all you have to do is download the app, register, search events, and with one click, you're signed up and ready to volunteer. Yeah, and it's so easy if you want to just do an hour a month or want to do up to like 30 hours a month, the app makes it really easy to go and do that. And then what about the upcoming golf tournament, which stars the celebrity guest Craig Shoemaker who was on our show and we our podcast will be there as well. Oh we're so happy you're going to be joining us that day. So on July 27th we'll be hosting our first annual golf challenge par for the cause at Strawberry Farms in Irvine and we're so excited to be partnering with another great nonprofit organization the Power of One Foundation. And if you don't golf, no problem. As you mentioned, we're going to be hosting an incredible community outreach event, which includes lunch and the amazing comedian Craig Shoemaker. Awesome. And then raffle and silent auction too, right? Oh, yes. We'll be having an online auction and also some raffle items and these really special items. It's just going to be a really amazing day. Awesome. Well, I'm excited and I know you are. And thanks for being here. And don't forget everyone to download the Volunteer Network app. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth podcast. Find out more at talkpurposeandtruth.com. And follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs>